Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our very special guest is Ralph Martin. He's president of Renewal Ministries, an organization devoted to Catholic renewal and evangelization. Ralph is also the director of graduate theology programs and evangelization and a professor of theology at Sacred Heart Major Seminary in the Archdiocese of Detroit. Uh, Ralph holds a a doctorate in theology at the Angelicum University in Rome. And oh, by the way, in his spare time, he writes books, and uh, some of those are Fulfillment of All Desire, uh, Will Many Be Saved, Crisis in Truth, and then the one we're going to talk about today that... uh, we were talking about before we got going was is a painful yet very important read called a crisis a church in crisis pathways forward hey ralph thanks for coming on today well thank you jeff good to be here and uh just great to talk to somebody else who's serving the lord like you are well trying to and uh your your as your book points out how important it is to serve the lord and how difficult it is at this particular time isn't it yeah it is where we're facing Tremendous challenges in the culture, tremendous challenges in the church. Uh, we're just just seeing a lot of things. A lot, a lot of Catholics are troubled these days, and one of the reasons why I wrote the book is to say, yes, we really have some pretty pretty profound problems, but you know what? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the truth of the Catholic faith is the same, and just trying to help people kind of get their bearings again that, uh, yes, we've got problems, but we have the faith. You know, reading your books and, you know, all of them, and especially this one, you know, it it really comes out as how much you care about people's salvation, how much that they need to know the truth in a world that likes to, you know, make up its own truth. It really comes out. Is that, is that really your motivating factor? Deacon Jeffrey, you put your finger on it. Yes. Yes. Nobody else has said it quite like that. So you're the first one that really sees what I'm really concerned about. Yes. The thing that I'm concerned about every day, all day long is the salvation of souls because life is short and, and we only have one life and after death, the judgment. And the most important thing for anybody is to come into relationship with Jesus Christ, to repent, to confess their sins, is to start living as a disciple of Jesus, because there really is a heaven, there really is a hell. And it's really quite possible to go to hell if we don't really cling to Jesus and follow his path. And I did, you know, you know, having read uh, Will Many Be Saved, you could feel that as you're reading this book too, right? I mean, in the end, uh, if we truly love people— we want them to know the truth, right? Those that like to skirt the truth or make it very ambiguous really show their lack of love for their fellow man. Yeah, and, and I have a whole chapter in the book says, is it all a game? Because a lot of people feel like, gee, everybody gets a trophy in the end, and it's just not true. It's just not what Jesus says. It's just not what the apostles say. It's just not what the Catechism of the Catholic Church says. And yet there's this whole fog of universalism or presumption on God's mercy and just not paying attention to what is so clearly revealed to us in sacred scripture and the teaching of the church. Right, and you and you know, so you have a, a chapter called "The Fog of Universalism," uh, and yeah. really, can you explain universalism for those who might not know? But really, sure. how and how important is it to understand there is a heaven and there is a hell? Well, uh, universalism is the belief, the hope, the presumption 
that uh, human beings are not going to be able to completely, finally resist God's grace. And in the end, everybody or virtually everybody will be saved. <clears throat> and there's, you know, some well-known theological theories that are advocating that, but it's just not what the church teaches. It's just not true. And what it's doing is undermining people's commitment to live a life of holiness. It's undermining people's commitment to share the faith with others. It's undermining vocations. It's just uh, really a, a lie of the evil one. I mean, you know, ask yourself, if I were the devil, what would I most want people to believe? Hey, eat, drink, and be merry of you, because tomorrow everybody's going to heaven. You know, don't sweat, chill. You know, uh, you know, it's just it's just a, a terrible lie that's really endangering people's salvation. Well, and it is, and you know, whether you know whether it's Hans von Balthasar who you mentioned here, Karl Rahner. I mean, you also you know we have Bishop Barron, who's a disciple of this as well. He says a lot of good things, but to think that there's that no one is going to hell when scriptures don't back that up. And you do a great job of quoting scripture here. So it's not like we're just making this stuff up. Jesus Christ is about as clear as clear can be, isn't he? Yeah, he, he really is. And it's almost like there's a veil over people's eyes these days. And either they don't see or they don't want to see, or they've had kind of really flaky scripture classes where they've lost their confidence in scripture. But really, one of the things that Vatican II taught so clearly is how us Catholics should approach scripture. <clears throat> I have a whole chapter in the book about, is there a solid place to stand? And And there is. And what, what the Constitution on Sacred Revelation teaches about how we're supposed to approach Scripture is very, very clear. Like Section 11, it says, Everything asserted by the sacred authors should be considered to be asserted by the Holy Spirit and to teach faithfully, firmly, and without error those truths which God wished to consign to the sacred writings for the sake of our salvation. So that's there for the sake of our salvation. I did a Bible study with some of the young men in our office, <clears throat> and we found just this gospel over 60 times where the explicit or implicit eternal consequences of not responding to Jesus uh, is clear. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many are traveling that way. Narrow is the door that leads to life, and few there are who are finding it. Now, it isn't like Jesus wants this to be the case. We, we know that God wills the whole human race to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth, but you got to come to a knowledge of the truth, and you got to obey the truth in order to be saved. We know Jesus offered his life and death as a sacrifice for the salvation of the whole world, but in order for that sacrifice to be effective in a person's life, they have to receive it. They have to live in accordance with it. And uh, I don't know, I, I could go on and on. We only have a half hour. <laughs> well, I mean, you're right, right? I mean, even in the Gospel of John, we hear about the Lord has a place for each and every one of us. He wants to come bring us there, but we have to participate, right? St. Paul tells Absolutely. us, you know, we got to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. The other thing is logic yeah. tells us that, right? We get the gift. Yeah. We get a we get a guardian angel. We're baptized. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We get the seeds of faith, hope, and love. We have the church, the sacraments. We have the saints praying for us. This isn't because there's no danger down here. Right, right. 
yeah, we know we're in a spiritual war. I mean, in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says, we're not just dealing with flesh and blood realities. We're dealing with powers and principalities, and we really need to have the spiritual armor on. And one of the things that most pains me is I see so many of our fellow Catholics, even people who come to church on Sunday, don't have the spiritual armor on. They, they don't have the helmet of salvation. They don't have the breastplate of holiness. They, and they don't have the shield of faith. And the shield of faith is so important because it's what extinguishes the fiery darts of the evil one. And all day long, the devil's shooting fiery darts at all of us. And if we don't have trust in Jesus Christ, if we don't have faith in the truth of his words, we're sort of defenseless. We're just going to be whipped around by every every trend in our culture, by every disorderly desire of our fallen nature, by every lie of the evil one. So I'm just so, so concerned about Catholics kind of getting with Jesus so they're not swept away in the destruction of our culture. Well, we hear, you know, the devil's like a, a prowling lion where sheep sent among wolves. It's not like the Lord's trying to soft soap this and say, hey, you know what, your time down here is going to be a piece of cake. Just, you know, do your yeah. time and, and everybody's coming in. That'd be great. Yeah. No, that's Deacon Jeffrey. I'm, I'm excited about your understanding about what I'm about, really. In the book, really. <laughs> well, I think that's why, you know, I've, I've, I think I've read Fulfillment and All Desire because that, you know, so many times because then you see what the saints are doing, right? You give us an example yeah. of what the saints and how they've lived their lives. And it's not, you know, it's not a piece of cake. You know, the other thing that, that really came out and you start off really in the beginning of the book is really the confusion that's emanating from Rome. Whether it's communion for people who are divorced and remarried without annulments, we hear about civil unions. When the Zika virus was going on, there was an, you know, alluding to the fact that contraception might be a good thing, whether it's Father James Martin, the Amazon Synod. I mean, reading your book is like reading, is like seeing a laser beam because you put everything in there. That reminds us that not only are these things being alluded to, but there's such a lack of clarity when you when you want to get. Yeah. Uh, hey, did you? Is this what you meant? And ambiguity yeah. drives me up the wall. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it should because uh, Paul says that if the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, who is going to come for battle? Who's going to rally around the real Jesus if the trumpet isn't giving a clear sound about what Jesus, who Jesus is and what he's calling us to do? And we do have some problems in Rome. You know, I, I, there's lots of good things that Pope Francis says and does. I, I teach one of his apostolic exhortations in my class at the seminary. But there are some confusing things he says and some confusing things he does. And sometimes he leaves things hanging in the air without not knowing how we should really take it. And that's really causing tremendous division in the church. You know, I've never, uh, in my whole life, I've never seen cardinals attacking cardinals in, in public and bishops attacking bishops and whole bishops' conferences radically disagreeing about how to understand what Pope Francis wants. And so this is not a good situation where, you know, the, the German bishops say we got to accommodate to the culture of our, our, our teaching about the purpose of marriage and sexuality is uh, we're, we're losing favor with the culture. So we got to downplay those. We got to kind of find loopholes. We got to accommodate with the culture. The Ukrainian bishops just sent a, a, a letter recently saying German bishops 
the approach you're taking is weakening people in our country who are trying to live chaste lives. They're hearing what you're talking about, and they think, well, maybe it's not so, you know, bad to you know be engaged in fornication or adultery or homosexual activity. And so, yeah, we got we got a lot of problems. Then we had you know the Amazon Synod with you know Catholics bowing down to what looks like an idol in the Vatican Gardens and. The Vatican press office not wanting to say who brought it there or what it really is. And finally, Pope Francis letting the cat out of the bag saying, thanking the Italian police who found Pachamama in the <laughs> Tiber where some outraged Catholics throw it. Pachamama is, is the earth goddess. You know, it's, it's kind of like, what is going on here? So, yeah, there's this confusion, there's ambiguity. But then you don't even have to impute motives to anybody. There's just objective things that are happening. Like, the John Paul II Institute for Marriage and the Family, established by John Paul II, trying to strengthen Catholic marriage and family life. Pope Francis appointed somebody else to be in charge of it, Archbishop Paglia, who's most known for the homoerotic mural he painted on the wall of his cathedral. And then one of the things he does is that he cancels the courses of two of the founders of the Institute and brings in two professors from Northern Italy who are open to centers on Catholic uh, sexual morality. So you don't need to guess what's going on there. It's, it's, a, it's really a terrible thing. Well, I think what's so good about the book is, is, is it's a great reminder that, look, stick with Jesus Christ. If, if, if things start straying, you start getting confused, read the scriptures— no, understand what Jesus Christ is saying. We have, you know, we have a catechism in the Catholic Church. Yeah. Don't let the evil one, through others, mislead you because it's the road to hell, and and life without Jesus Christ ain't going to be good. Yeah, absolutely, Deacon Jeff, and um, you know, it's it's really true. Like, we we just have to really realize that we have a solid foundation to stand on. We have the inspired Word of God. We have the whole 2,000-year tradition of the Church. And we do have the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Everything we're talking about today is there, you know? Heaven Mm -hmm. and hell is there. The final judgment is there. Uh, The importance of sexual morality is there. The truth about marriage and family life is there. And and the ambiguity and the confusion, we just have to really recognize it's a solid ground to stand on, and we need to be standing on it. But, you know, I spend the first six chapters of the book talking about the serious difficulties, but I do spend the next seven chapters of the book talking about how we can move forward and how there's a pathway forward. And, and that's and that's encouraging because people need to know that. But before we get to the, yeah. the pathways forward, you know, we just had the McCarrick report come out. I mean, I've read yes. almost 400 of the pages so far. It's, it's a terrible read. I just heard an interview that Raymond Arroyo did with uh, – uh, Archbishop Vigano, where he said he was never contacted. I mean, it's really the ugly underbelly of the church. And that report does not really name names other than people who are already dead and they try to pin it on them. No one takes responsibility for, you know, as we've heard, in, you know, there's another book, The Smoke of Satan, that is that is really permeating in the church. It's really yeah. disappointing. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, <clears throat> I haven't been able to bring myself to read the report yet, but I've, I've read accounts from people I trust. And uh, the reason why I haven't been able to bring myself to read it yet is that the people who were doing the evaluation of what happening, what happened, are the people who were involved in it. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, I mean, great objectivity. When, when, yes. 
yeah, I mean, like, I mean, uh, accusations were made about people in Rome right now, you know, who are involved in the cover up, who are involved in a homosexual network. And the people in Rome right now are the ones who wrote the report, you know, so I just I just don't have a lot of confidence that everything that needed to be looked at was looked at. The, the whole issue of homosexuality, I guess, wasn't looked at. Uh, it wasn't until they found out that Cardinal McCarrick abused the minor that they really got excited. You know, all the all the evidence that was got there for years that he was grooming adult seminarians and other things didn't seem to kind of get anybody too bent out of shape, which is terrible, you know. And so, yeah, I, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what do you say? And then the other day we hear Pope Francis calls and congratulates Joe Biden, who's not even yeah. been – it's not there's nothing certified yet so we we go ahead and thank and and the head of the usccb did the same where we thank a guy who promotes abortion up until the minute of birth who's performed same-sex marriages and thinks restricting religious liberty is a good thing yeah yeah i I don't know why every bishop in the country before this election wasn't raising the alarm that it's not just about doubling down and killing babies. That's totally horrible as that is, but it's also about suppressing the church's ability to live out the faith in our own institution and to preach the gospel. The religious freedom issue is a huge issue. And, and, and the people who apparently are the winners of this election or maybe the winners of this election are already told us that they're going to submerge religious freedom to LGBTQ rights, you know? So, I mean, handwriting's on the wall. Why Why wasn't there an up, up, uproar? And it was really hard to read the official USCCB congratulations. Like It's almost like we're proud we have our second Catholic president, and what that's doing is putting a mantle of approval over somebody who's not really believing or living the Catholic faith. And, and so that's a little hard to take, you know? I mean, it's almost like, yay, another Catholic made it, you know, congratulations, you know? And what what's that, what message is that going to send to people? Like, hey, the bishops are approving Joe Biden, you know? Oh, it's a terrible message. And the first Catholic president was a joke in and of himself. He he started the skids. Well, I don't personally, I personally believe it, but I don't want to impose my beliefs on people. And that, it's just gotten way worse after that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, technically they're not saying I approve everything Joe Biden is doing and believing, but it sure comes across like that to the ordinary Catholic. It kind of sure seems like, yeah, we're proud we have another Catholic in the White House and we should be ashamed. Well, what he, what they could have said is, you know, Joe Biden appears to be uh, the next president. We pray that he'll have a conversion on life, marriage, religious liberty, and will be received yeah. back into the good graces of the church. Because when yeah. you congratulate him, like you're talking about, you're just leading people farther away. And I've had so many people come up to me and say, so is this good? Or So he, he is a good Catholic? And you're just like, ay, 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 ay. Yeah. 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 Well, he's a he's a Catholic. We can't say he's not a Catholic. He's right. a member of the church. We, we can't question whether he's sincere in saying the rosary and going to mass. Although, you know, what Paul told Timothy is admonish the sinner, lest other people be led into sin. And there's been very little admonishing the public sinners, you know, that's gone on over the last 40 or 50 years. And so, I don't know. We're we're in big trouble right now, but there's a lot of hope. Yeah, and th- and this isn't scriptural, but if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's usually a duck. So let's yeah. let's let's see it what they're saying and what they're doing, and that'll pretty much tell you where they are. Now you do get yeah. into pathways forward. 
And, yeah. you know, I read, you know, boy, accomplishing what you put down there, one, is definitely a necessity. But, geez, that's going to be a tough road because people are going to have to admit and do a 180-degree turn that they've been, they've been wrong and misleading people. Yeah, well, I'm hopeful because, well, you know, what you're talking about is we need to stop pretending that everything is okay. We need to be realistic. We need to be honest. We need to really look at the situation we're in, the hundreds and hundreds of Catholic schools that are closing, the hundreds and hundreds of Catholic parishes that are closing, the the young priests that are given two or three parishes to manage, the, the, the burnout that's happening, the stress, the fear, the you know, more and more bishops and priests are afraid to tell the truth anymore because the culture is threatening to punish them. And they know that half Catholics don't believe the Catholic faith anymore about these matters anyway, and they're afraid of rocking the boat and causing disunity. So we got to be honest if any solution is going to be really a real solution. And then we got to really do an examination of conscience and repent. Now, I'm really encouraged because in the Archdiocese of Detroit, they recognized that there needed to be repentance as an archdiocese before we could hope to see a new Pentecost or a new evangelization. So we had a very solemn liturgy, liturgical ceremony of repentance where we were really honest. We we repented for false teaching that we allowed to happen in the archdiocese for a number of years. We repented for racism. We repented for lots of things that uh, really need to be repented for. Now, the key, of course, is, as St. John the Baptist said, bear the fruits of repentance. So we're still working on implementing changes that are going to enable us to move forward. But there's a very serious effort being made in the Archdiocese of Detroit, where I teach in Diocese of Lansing, where I live, to really turn in a new direction towards Christ and, 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 and towards holiness and towards evangelization. So, And there's lots of signs of hope throughout the church, but those signs of hope need to be fanned into a flame, and there needs to be deeper repentance in places where that hasn't happened. Well, and you you know you bring up the point that people are afraid to tell the truth. Can you imagine we go to our judgment and we're like, and Jesus is like, why didn't you share the truth? Because I am the truth. And you say, I'm afraid. And he's like, yeah, I kind of get it. That's fine. Right? That, that scenario is never happening. To say, I'm afraid to share you, Jesus Christ, because people might not yeah. like me. I mean, that is the biggest cop out. I mean, good grief. No, that's really true, Deacon Jeff. Like it says in James's epistle, James says, not many of you should become teachers because teachers are going to be held to a higher standard. And Jesus does say, if you deny me before my Father in heaven, I'm going to deny you before. If you, I'm going to deny, if you deny me before men, I'm going to deny you before my Father in heaven. Now, this is not the Jesus whose image we crafted to kind of suit our purposes. This is the real Jesus, though. This is the real Jesus who says, depart from me, you evil ones. This is the real Jesus who says, get behind me, Satan. This is the real Jesus who says, I'm coming again in glory to judge the living and the dead. You know, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. this is the Jesus when the, when the five foolish virgins knocked on the door. He says, I don't know you, and shuts the door in their face. Yeah, I mean, the door's going to close and for all of us, and we're either going to be in the Father's house or outside the Father's house, and the door's not going to open again. The door is going to close on each of us at the moment of our death. And the door is going to close on the world when the Lord returns in glory. And and so we we got to be in the Father's house. We've got to be with Jesus. We've got to let Jesus bring us into the Father's house, the church. We've got to live a life of holiness in the church. So when the door closes in our life, we're in the Father's house, and our, our judges are our friends. 
Well, the the judge loves us more than we can love ourselves or love anybody. Yeah. And and yet yeah. we we treat it like you know we we just want to do whatever we want and we're going to take advantage of that love because in the end that love will conquer my not being repentant for a life yeah. of debauchery. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh it's an urgent time right now like uh there's this there's terrible disunity in the world, there's terrible disunity in the church and the only path forward is to pay attention to Jesus and do what he says, let the Holy Spirit lead us and guide us. The only way out of this, the only way forward is to radically turning towards the Lord, radical repentance, radical surrender to Jesus and his real teaching and his Holy Spirit. Well, and in the get, you know, you read this book and, you know, you talk about all the things the clergy need to do and rightfully so, no one can argue with that. But this isn't the laity just needs to sit back out on the couch and wait for the clergy to do it, right? The laity, the the church militant, needs to get off the couch, share the truth. That will change the world if the laity followed the teachings of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. I have a whole chapter called A Time for Action where I talk about lay people have a responsibility to speak up. Lay people have a responsibility to share the faith. Lay people have a responsibility if they hear something weird being said in church on Sunday to respectfully and, and go to the, the, the priest or the deacon who's preaching and say, this is what I heard you say. Is that what you really meant? You know, and you know, give people the benefit of the doubt, not jump to conclusions. But if we're brushed off and if the priest or deacon is teaching something really that isn't the Catholic faith, we need to go to the bishop. Bishop's not going to be happy to hear from us, but we need to go to the bishop. You know, we need to take whatever responsibility we can for true doctrine being really preached in the, in the church. You know, Deacon Jeff, can I tell people how they can get the book? I was going to go there in a minute. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, Go, go oh, ahead. Okay, yeah, yeah. We we have it available at Renewal Ministries. The organization I work with is called, and the website is renewalministries.net. You can easily get it there, but it's also available on Amazon and just just lots of different places. But it's something you might even want to consider, not just for yourself, but for your pastor or your deacon. It's something that maybe could give some encouragement and some uh, boldness to to our leadership and to well, us. Well, and it's just it's just so important that people need to hear this because, you know, this this book is the truth. And there's also a way in which it seems like a lot of emphasis coming out of Rome is let's make this world a better place. You know, you know, after the Amazon synods, you know, one of the new cardinals that had just been made by Pope Francis said, if we save the Amazon, we'll save the world. And, and or, you know, somebody else, a very high figure in Rome said the biggest problem today is in the world. The biggest crisis the world is facing is global warming. Or another person said the biggest crisis is unemployment. No, the biggest crisis is alienation from God. The biggest crisis is rebellion against God. The biggest crisis is not believing in Jesus Christ. The biggest crisis is not accepting the offer of mercy and salvation that God's offering to the human race. The primary mission of the church is not to improve the world. We, we should absolutely apply the social teaching of the church out of charity and all these different areas. But the primary purpose of the church is to lift up Jesus Christ and call all people everywhere to believe in him and repent. And that's getting submerged in a lot of ways today. Well, that's that's the whole purpose of your book. And so people need to get it because if you don't, shame on you. Uh, and I would agree, clergy should get it. Anybody should read this book and then take it to heart. 